Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, You Know What That Means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North-South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com Connection Podcast Network. Welcome into the Wrestling Warzone Monday Night Wars Podcast Retrospective Series. I am JT. That is Chad as ever, my partner here. And of course, stay tuned because the last bit of this show will air during the commercials of the new Adventures of Robin Hood right after this, right like the last 15 minutes or so. You're going to have to switch to Robin Hood on their YouTube channel and then we'll cut in there. We're going to be live though. Live. It is live now. We're live. Yeah, live. live. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're back. Hopefully, everyone's enjoying us being in 1997. I know I am. Feels like a new day, breath of fresh air. And of course, this podcast is simulcast in both video and audio across our North South Connection podcast network here on this YouTube channel video. You can like and subscribe and leave a comment, or you can go over and subscribe to any of our podcast apps that are out there. Just search North South Connection if you prefer the audio version of this, and all of our content is everywhere. Most of it is simulcast. There is some video exclusive, some audio exclusive. So just subscribe to both or follow us on social media. you get all the updates you need. Uh, Chad, how is it going? Going pretty good. Not a whole lot going on. Vacations are over. I've melted. Uh, it's uh, 100 degrees when we're recording, so we're in the, the hottest of summer in uh, mm-hmm. 2023 as we're heating up on the Monday Night War, so good good synergy here all around. We are heating up. It's it's exciting. <laughs> I really liked our last episode. We talked about it. 1997, I, I think personally, is like one of the best years in North American wrestling as far as excitement goes, yep. uh, especially with these two promotions going at it. ECW is really, you know, at, at their probably like creative peak i would say i think there's good stuff later popularity peak is later but i think in 97 early 97 is probably the peak of their popular uh or creativity i should say before they lose raven and a few other guys and start to lean too much on on other things but uh here we're gonna kick things off with nitro this week and it's a pretty famous nitro you heard our little riff off the top around robin hood i think any fan that grew up in that era watching the monday night wars uh knows of the robin hood nitro chat yeah, I mean, I to me, this is in some ways a seminal Nitro because it's one of those, it's like, I know I've watched before this in real time, and I, I can remember certain things here or there, 
But this is one thing I really remember this show mm-hmm. uh, because I still had the uh, instituted bedtime at this point. Um, and then this was one where I tried to uh, leverage to uh, stay up later and watch. Uh, sure, you weren't alone, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so so this is one I distinctly remember watching as a kid, uh, the Nitro. So pretty important one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to kind of revisit too. Yeah, I definitely remember watching this. I was still taping Raw every week uh, for my collection, and Raw was still at eight o'clock. So I definitely would have watched the first hour of Raw, then watched the second hour of Nitro, and I know I stayed stayed up and watched freaking Robin Hood, or at least I probably flipped around and checked back during for the commercials, but um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I just left it on. I probably played with my wrestling figures or read a magazine or something during Robin Hood and waiting for the big main event uh, to culminate between Hulk Hogan and Giants. So we'll talk about that, of course, as we go through this. And it's it's a memorable Nitro too because it's not like it's a throwaway episode with the like it's not just the Robin Hood thing. It's such a big episode in such a big month when you think about everything going on. I would argue it's one of the busiest months in North American wrestling history. Um, at least like during the, the war time, like when both promotions are going, I know later, like there's so much TV now, it's like whatever million things happen. But like back then, if you think about what this path, we're starting right now, January 13th. I mean, you could say until mania, right? There's like a ton of stuff, but in January exclusively, there's a ton of stuff. Like we have this raw nitro, we're on the doorstep of the war rumble. Then we get the clash. We got sold out. Like, like there's so much stuff going, and the big nitro at the United Center that they've been hyping. So it's like yeah. there's so much stuff in this three week span. It's just wild. And then February is just as crazy when you look at it. With like Thursday Raw Thursday, um, the European title show. Like there's so much stuff in February into Mania. Like and this is off and running from here. This this to me one six felt like the prequel to ninety seven. This feels like the start of the insanity of nineteen ninety seven wrestling. Yeah. Well, I mean, just from a business standpoint, this is the first time Nitro had over 10,000 people. Um, also, the first six-figure gate. Um, so, it's a big deal. I mean, you look at it like they're in the Superdome, and you think back like when WCW's ran that before for Clash of the Champions 6, which has, in many people's opinion, including my own, one of the best U.S. matches ever and Flair versus Steamboat. So from a, you know, a, a work rate perspective, like it's a, a triumph, but from a gate and business standpoint, it was a disaster. Um, 6,000 or whatever ended up being in there. The, the, the show is lit so dark. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see nothing. So when they first pan to the crowd here, you can tell like there's, there's a lot of people here. Like we're not in, Think of like some of the buildings that both Raw and Nitro have been in since we started the podcast that look like, you know, large barn houses or whatever, for like a matter. Like this feels definitely yeah. like a significant step. In Think the- about like In Your House 3 or whatever in that Saginaw yes. building. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> we've just come a long way. And yeah. I don't think WF had not even run the Superdome yet, right? For like a big, I don't know if they had done a house show there probably at some point, but they've never done a pay-per-view or like TV there. So this is really yeah. the first big show of, of this modern era. I mean, like you mentioned, the clash was there, but uh, of this time period, it's really the, of the nineties, like the first right. big show that's there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And, and that's something that continues as we'll talk about, like when WWF does run Sky Dome in about a month. Um, 
uh, which is cool to see. So, so that there's there's a lot of big arenas that you'll be seeing coming up. Um, I mean, obviously they're running the Alamo Dome in like a week for Rumble. Mm-hmm. So, so it 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 feels more more large scale, um, certainly. And I think as we go through this show, it's it's interesting too. We talked about some weeks on Nitro where not all the main players would be there. And this is a Nitro where almost every, you know, main competitor is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think only Flair, but he's hurt still, right. Um, is in attendance. But they do it very quickly. Like, we see Sting for 30 seconds. Yeah. And uh, we see Hogan really pretty limited compared to what you would think. Um, so, so it's interesting how they did it. Um, but uh, I guess we can dive in. Uh, so, uh, we are from New Orleans and the Superdome, but, uh, we get kind of a, a, uh, off the beaten path open. It's, it's almost like a cold open yes. of the giant rushing the, uh, NWO locked room. He's yelling. He wants a piece at Hogan. He gets held back by, uh, the NWO B team and Doug Dillinger and some other security people. Um, uh, so, so we kind of don't know right away like what the context is like well, all of a sudden he's so upset but just uh we see him rushing in um and then as soon as we cut to the arena proper tony as uh cues us in that we learn that uh it seems like hogan's chicken out of wrestling the giant it sold out um so basically he's ducking out of the match and that's what pissed off the giant so much mm-hmm. so um, so, so that's kind of a, the start of the show. Larry says this is typical of the new world odor, uh, but they're doing all this right as our uh, intros for the first match happen. Like we don't get the traditional cut to the announce booth uh, to start the show. So I liked it. I mean, I liked it as a different opening. It had kind of a big feel to it. Yeah, it kind of feels. Was it last week or two weeks ago where they were coming in the limo and giant? They yep. said they dropped the balls last week, right? So, like, it feels like we're doing kind of back-to-back on that, um, which is cool. I think they figured out a little bit, like, okay, let's uh, come out hot. Raw is coming up against us now at 8 o'clock, too. So, like, let's let's capture it. Um, so, yeah, this is hot. Like, he's in there. He's kicking the door in. He's saying Hogan's a coward and a liar, and he's going to take him out. So, you're wondering right away exactly what's going on. Did Hogan play some more mind games? And then I like that we don't really have a – too much of a cliffhanger because we got other big shit to get to tonight. So I like right away that they say what it is like giants, mm-hmm. mad Hogan's trying to bail out and sold out. We're going to have a problem. So. Right. Uh, our first match is Mr. JL versus Chavo Guerrero jr. Um, one of the last times we'll see Mr. JL. I think he pops up a couple months later, but mm-hmm. he's pretty much on the way out. Chavo, you know, we talked about it. He's, he's looked fine. Uh, I think yeah. he's been pretty good. Uh, some good basic wrestling to start between these two. Chavo hits a planche on the outside. J.O. then goes back on the offense and hits a Rana for a near fall. But, I mean, the main thing here, like, the action's fine. Uh, Chavo ends up winning with a comeback. of a, He uh, hits the butt button and the moonsault press to win. And the crowd is into Chavo here. Uh, so it's a fine match for what it was as an opener to kind of get the crowd rolling. But the main thing, too, is the announcers are really talking a lot about the sold-out pay-per-view and a lot of what's going on. So so we kind of have that duality of the action you're watching is entertaining enough, but the announcers are also hitting on, like, the main event scene, mm-hmm. which 
I go back and forth. Like I know that can become very tiresome later. Um, and it can here. I, I didn't think necessarily for this, it distracted too much. Like it was fine. Um, but, but that's something to be cognizant of as we're watching uh, these matches. But overall, went two and a quarter. It's a fine opener. And uh, Chavo continued to look good. Yeah, I think it becomes a bigger problem later when it starts happening in almost every match and almost every match that like you're interested in watching and feeling like guys weren't being paid attention to. And not that Chavo Guerrero and JL don't deserve the attention, but like a hot angle just happened. This is a real throwaway match. There's no feud. It, like they're not balling out and going to, the, you know, like do, doing it's like it was it was a match that was put in place to designed to allow you to be distracted a bit because like you, you need time to process what we just saw because we just saw a big angle. So it's not like they're just talking about stuff to talk about it. So I thought it was fine here. I like Larry's point that Hogan's been a wrestling giant since 1980. Like that, that was a cool point. So he's not, <laughs> he's not afraid. So he's obviously some kind of mind game because he's used to this situation. Um, you know, they try and figure out how Hogan conduct the title shot because giant won world war three. So he's entitled to it. He says it must be Bischoff's work. Uh, and like you said, the offense here is pretty, straightforward uh you know chavo winning is no surprise jl really hasn't been used much for, for anything but job to the stars type role so this yep. is a fine opener again it'll let us get settled in some good spots showcase with chavo two and a half um but one point from larry again that i liked too he says giant has to stay calm and mm -hmm. he didn't do that earlier but he needs to if this is going to work because they are um you know, the more out of control he gets, the more likely they are to be able to pull some mind games and screw him over. So, like, he's like, this dude's got to stay calm and let the process handle itself, basically. Right. Which I think is a good point from Larry. It's good advice. Yep. Uh, one thing um, I noticed is uh, at the end of the match, Chavo says, who's next? <laughs> that was funny. funny. This is funny in retrospect. Like, you know, obviously it'll become a big deal in about a year, but... uh didn't mean nothing now, but just the way he said, it, he's like, "Who's next?" He always did it just like. So I think of when I think of Chavo. It was. It was like I wonder if Goldberg was like at the power watching this somewhere. Like, yeah. oh, I like that. Thank <laughs> you, Murray. Uh, back from break. Now we do get kind of the more traditional open where Tony and Larry at the announce booth welcoming us in. Uh, some Larry chants from the crowd. Um, they basically again set the stage for the rest of the night. Uh, then we get. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's music fires up. He comes out with the big purple and gold <laughs> WCW flag, says he's picked up the banner. Um, you know, he's carrying the torch for WCW, but he can't do it alone. Sting, be a man, come forward. You know, don't be so wishy-washy. Say whether you're WCW or NWO, tough guy. Oh, so um, there you go. Uh, basically called out Sting. As, mm -hmm. as uh, Duggan walks to the ring, we learn that Larry won this golf tournament they had. <laughs> um, yes. Shooting a 67. The WCW uh, Nafty Golf Tournament, which yes. is the television uh, um, whatever thing that they're at, the convention. Right. right. This felt very like Cable Ace-ish. Mm -hmm. um, so it felt like something like Turner wanted them to really push, but Okay. Yeah. Um, Larry, though, says, eat your heart out, Tiger Woods, which I thought was pretty cool because, I mean, remember, this is January 97. So, like, obviously, like, Tiger was known, but he right, hadn't, not well, hadn't Tiger. won the Masters yet. Yeah. So, it was, it was, you know, Larry on the uh, forefront of what was going on on the golf scene 
in January 1997. Well, he is a legit, like, stud golfer, right? Larry. Yeah, yeah, legit, like, really good golfer. Yep. Um, so, uh, supposed to be Duggan versus Super Kolo, uh, but before Super Kolo can come out, Sting, all of a sudden, like, really suddenly, he's in the mm-hmm. ring and he hits Duggan with the Scorpion Death Drop, which is really cool. Gets a huge pop from the crowd. Larry, of course, yells at that. Right away. Oh, he's NWO. That's it. Yeah. Uh, says he's got goosebumps. They've gotten to him. Um, you know, Tony tries to salvage it a little bit by saying, well, I'm not so sure. I mean, Sting's you know, pattern has been if someone calls him out, yeah. he retaliates. And no what, matter who it is, that's what it's been. Yeah. That's one thing they got to, I mean, we've, we've hampered on it, but it mm-hmm. bears repeating, like, yeah, I mean, like, Sting got called out, and then he did what he did. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, right. Um, and and then, even, like, when he threw Ray, remember, Ray jumped on his back, and Ray even said right. it. So it's always, when it's a WCW guy that he's attacked, it's always been provoked. Right, right. Um, and then just, you know, <laughs> a complete asinine move by Duggan here. So, so I like this where they said like they're scrambling for a standby match. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. I always like that. Like, oh, okay, like we're live, pal. Like trying to put that in the moment. But then they go back to one shot of Duggan, and he's, he's standing the in the yeah. ring <laughs> waving the flag. I'm like, you just sell that you were dead. Like, I mean, just say you were knocked out. Like, I mean, bring out the stretcher. Like, what? I mean, he's you- holding his head while he's waving the flag, so made us. He's woozy, but like. You don't need to wave the flag. If he doesn't no. want to get stretchered out and wants to walk out, whatever, just walk out like this. Roll out. Yeah, look something. woozy. Yeah, because yeah, even Tony was like, well, I don't know if he's good enough to go or not. It's like this dude is still right. waving this flag owing to the crowd. Like, what a the, uh One thing I noticed, Don, I made note of, and you, you said it earlier, a lot of wide shots this week on the arena. Yeah. Like, it's not something they do a lot on Nitro, but they are showing off um, – not only did they fill the Superdome, but I'm sure it's a little bit of a dig to Dirty F running the Alamo Dome in a week. And they knew probably it was going to be paper or whatever it was. So yeah. a little bit of a like an FU, like, you know, look at look what we packed in here. Um, so that was kind of cool. Again, yeah, this is just a lot of giving Larry and Tony some talk. Larry, uh, you know, he's saying Hogan, Hogan is so good at the game of chess. He's forced Piper and Giant. They're losing control. And then he tells Giant to go to Piper and learn the sleeper to prepare. Because Piper beat Hogan with a sleeper, and that's the way to beat him. So he's like, Giant should go learn from Piper how to use that move to beat Hogan. So I thought, again, Larry just always adds these little touches to the story that that makes sense, you know, whether it's silly kayfabe or not, but like it still works within the construct of the story. So yeah, I didn't grade this; it's whatever. Um, but yeah, besides the Doug and Flag thing, it was fine, and it was an interesting. I like to the unpredictability of Sting when. Because a lot of nights we get them at the end of the night. Now tonight we get them in the beginning, right? Which is different. So Yeah, yeah, we're about 15 minutes in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our standby match apparently ended up being Sergeant Craig Pittman <laughs> versus Chris Jericho. Uh, this is where we get the first mention of the new adventures of Robin Hood mm-hmm. immediately following the show. Uh, they also say Jericho versus Chonos for sold out, which I think yes. they've announced before, but they're pushing that. Um, this is like a minute match. I, I gave it a start. It's nothing. Uh, basically, Jericho uses his speed against Pittman. He, he does hit a nasty mm-hmm. missile drop kick to win. Uh, and then he jumps and celebrates in the crowd. So, I mean, Pittman's washed. Jericho continues to win. But Jericho's not really involved. Like, the thing with Chono is one thing. But he, he 
like since the Nick Patrick thing, he hasn't been necessarily involved in a good feud, I'd say. So right. it'd be nice if he could get locked in um, to a decent feud. Well, it's interesting too, because I mean, he has kind of been one of the early guys battling the NWO because of the Nick Patrick thing, even though Patrick wasn't fully NWO when they were feuding, like he everyone yeah. kind of knew he was. So, I mean, he was, so I guess it makes sense that he's still kind of involved with the NWO, but yeah, this seems more like a randomizer match versus any kind of, you know, yeah. special feud or anything. But yeah, it's a lot of Tony talking Larry off the ledge about staying. You know, that continues. Um, and the new adventures, like you said, they hyped that up big time. So I went a half a star. I mean, at least Jericho looked strong, headed towards sold out. So that was good. But this was, right. they could have killed that same. I know they tried to scramble, make it feel exciting and live, but they could have killed that time with just like Tony and Larry talking. <laughs> just as fine. Right. Uh, our next match is Harlem Heat versus High Voltage. Uh, kind of tag team battle here. Uh, Harlem Heat dominates the early going. We cut to the back again, and the giant is charging in again. And says he's not going anywhere. So. Oh, it's a coward. Busy we do have Bischoff laugh this time, though. <laughs> a busy night for Doug Dillinger, uh, trying to keep the giant at bay. Um, Donuts Dillinger. Yeah. Uh, Voltage gets a little bit of offense in. Nice butterfly suplex from Kenny Chaos. Uh, and then Rage and Stevie start firing off, and the crowd's actually into it. Uh, that leads to the finish where Harlem Heat gets the Heat Seeker uh, to pick up the win. So I, I thought this was fine. Like, I thought High Voltage got the appropriate amount of offense in. You know, they, they had a couple moments to flourish. Uh, but obviously they were losing here, which they did, and Harlem Heat looked good enough. Um, one star in three quarters, this was sort of your makeshift mid mid-card uh, WCW tag match. High Voltage comes out to like the opposite of noise when they come to the ring. I mean, it is like inverse silence of the Superdome. It is. <laughs> no reaction. Um, a little more reaction for Harlem Heat and Sherry, which is good. And they do wake up for the match, but that entrance was like, eh, no one gave a shit. Um, High Voltage. I like Tony talk about Sherry's in-ring skills to hype the women's division. Like, I thought kind of hinting that maybe she could be a player there, like, or at least that they have this legend on the roster. That's really good in the ring. So I, I like to that. Um, again, we get the reminder the Steiners are taking on the Outsiders and sold out. So they're back, going to be back reunited, back in the ring for the first time in a while. When's yep. the last time they were? Was it like, I think like we haven't seen them in forever. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I'm going to look it up. It's like, like August maybe or something? Maybe. Like, I feel like it's been been a bit. Yeah. Yeah, because Hogwild was the uh, the crowd booing them, brewing Harlem Heat. Or No, was yeah. that, that them? It was... I always mix that up, but I don't know. I'll look it up. Maybe that's the next year or something. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we go back to Giant. So we actually we get a little bit more than just Giant kicking the door this time. So Hogan and Bischoff are laughing. Um, Bischoff says Giant actually thought he was getting this title shot, and you can't get a title shot without a contract. And Hogan talks about psychology, and he said he thought Giant had a light for a cigar, and that's why he was trying to come in. So I thought that was pretty funny. So it's just Hogan and Bischoff being goofs um, as this is happening. We didn't get too much of the flow of this because of the NWO stuff. And Harlem Heat just kind of rolling along, trying to get back to the title picture. I went two and a quarter. Like I thought it was fine, even yeah. with the interruptions. It is. Uh, it was hot while they faced Harlem Heat, and Harlem okay. Heat a bad chance against them. Uh, but we saw them as a team. They have the um, very quick, like whatever match that was going on on the uh, November second. I mean, no, September second, Nitro. Um, I think that's the last time they Is were... that the Sting and Luger or whatever? Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, that was right. the Sting. Yep, yeah, Luger and yeah, Sting yeah, by DQ. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, so. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a good four months by the time we see them here at Sold Out back together. Yep. Um. So that is good to see. Then, uh, go to break. NWO announcement for the sold out shirt poster combo twenty five bucks. Nash mentions the first one hundred gets a signed copy. I don't know if that signed was legit or not. It might have been. Uh, five ninety five shipping and handling on that as well. So thirty one bucks for the shirt and poster. Yeah. Our WCW Saturday Night Shield is pretty short this week. Uh, only three match or three things mentioned: Barbarian versus Arn Anderson, Steve Regal in action, and uh, Lex Luger versus Scott Norton. So there we go. Uh, then we get the uh, Tony has a big announcement. So the Nappy. Conventions in this week, the executive committee's there, they're across the street having mm-hmm. meetings or whatnot. Um, but uh, you know, they, they've heard what's going on with Hogan trying to duck this match. They're going to make a decision and uh will let us know um before the show is over. So that's like your big tease that you know something's coming down the pike with the executive committee huddling. I like up. they all happen to be at the high end for the nafty. All the, yeah. the WCW championship committee is part you of the Herder so uh, the lawyers, <laughs> one lawyer they had a couple of weeks in, and uh, God knows who else is on there. Bill Watts yeah. or whatever the idiots are on the the yeah. uh, committee. But uh, Larry gets all excited. Goes, it was just a standard legal entanglement. Harvey <laughs> so, Schiller's over there frantically yeah. trying to put something together. Pull it uh, into the boardroom. So um, now we get this. Uh, an interesting trio, NWO makeshift trio coming out of Vince, Ted, DiBiase, and Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they head straight to the announced booth, uh, kick Larry out. Larry has a nice parting shot where he tells Eric if he keeps messing up, he'll be mowing Vern Gagne's lawn again. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, Eric. You know, says, hey, what about the Stinger? You know, Stinger's our man. They show that video they've shown the last couple of weeks. Yes. Just everything with him. Uh, so, so, some more stuff of them thinking, Same. you know, saying they have Sting in the bag or whatever. Uh, DDP comes out for his match. DiBiase lets us know this is another man in good standing with the NWO. Mm-hmm. Eric lets us know that uh, he had dinner with uh, Hall, and after a $350 plate of lobster, he got with the program. Did you hear um, where it was at Michael's restaurant at the Barbary Coast, which Bischoff always mentions the fucking Barbary Coast is where he loved to uh, stay in Vegas. So. Let me uh, let me see if Michael's restaurant is still... Is well, I don't think Barbary Coast exists anymore, so I would guess both are probably gone. What is, what is the Barbary Coast? It was a hotel. It was a hotel in oh, Vegas. It? Okay. it was on the strip i think i mean it's long gone i don't know what took its place you could probably find out but um i remember bischoff said this it was like in his book or something he's like oh we used to always stay there because no one stayed there basically Uh so they like kind of had the run of the place and no one could a lot of fans weren't it went there or whatever but uh (laughs) he said that was like their favorite place to, to hang out uh yeah now called bill's gambling hall salute yeah, not much. wasn't It wasn't a big old time. I remember the first time I went to Vegas, it was there still, and that would have been like, yeah. I think the first time I went was like 2007 or something. So yeah. I remember, I remember Barbary Coast being there. I mean, it is expensive here. That's uh, this is for a Las Vegas Review article from 2007. So obviously not too up to date, but uh, here it lets us know that the uh, lobster 
is uh, broiled Maine lobster with drum butter is $98. So, I mean, I guess if they both had that, throw in a couple apps. The, the couple drinks. Will. Yeah, I mean, it's all. So throw in the drinks. and Yeah, yeah. yeah you're probably getting the $350 pretty quickly. Well, that's there. now. I mean, 97 could have been probably a lot of drinks to get, get you three fifty. All right. Uh, so is uh, Dallas Page versus Mark Starr some job matchup? But, um, uh, thirty, I don't know, a minute, thirty seconds. I don't know how long this went. Not yeah, long. Uh, Page dominates. He, he the only only thing I'll mention on the match itself is he has kind of a, another variation of the diamond cutter. Mm-hmm. This is the one where he kind of Irish whip Star in and then launches. It's almost like a diving diamond cutter. So that gets the win here. Um, Ted says that's our man. Uh, did you mention yeah, it was all again? Just I mean, it sets up an angle, right? So that works. Um, but it also gives Bischoff time to be extra cocky, set that angle up, which was good too. Uh, he says, Oh, my neighbor DDP is now welcome after the big meal to come over for adult beverages and hot dogs, uh, come down the street and, and hang out. And him and DBS again talk about this legal entanglement. They say you need a signed contract to have a deal. And the Hollywood and the NWO doesn't have to sign it. So Giant can have this contract from World War Three, and he signed it. But if no one else did, you're screwed. So Bischoff uh, says we'll be having Mai Tais on the beach in Honolulu. Uh, what locations from Bischoff? He's like, that. he's in full on, like, we're, we've passed just like leader of WCW Bischoff. Now we're, we're really entering in like TV bigwig Hollywood mm-hmm player bischoff right he's at all the, the hot spots him and hogan and they're out drinking my ties and everything so he's he's really playing up that he's like an elite you know mm-hmm. uh gold club ironically never mm-hmm. gets mentioned uh but so this does set up like one of the more famous angles mm-hmm. i think like in nitro history where uh right after the match out comes nash and hall Nash gets in the ring wearing a cool uh, NWO hoodie. I might add. Like, yeah, yeah, that was nice. I like those. Uh, long. I, I always remember this. It's crazy things you think about. I always remember them wearing like those hoodies in this segment. But they really mm-hmm. stood out as like something different. Yeah, I don't know cool. if they ever sold them or they just had it made for them. But I don't recall seeing them. But they they look nice. Uh, so Paige hugs Nash immediately. Uh, you know, and the announcement celebrating big time with this, mm-hmm. like, all right. And then Ted says, We got to put the shirt on to make it official. Hall throws him the shirt, Paige puts it on, you know, big celebratory moment. He and then I, I do love the way like Paige does this, where Nash has turned uh, uh with his back to Hall and yep. Paige, Paige handshakes Hall. Hangs on for the handshake and then gives up the diamond cutter. Mm-hmm. And then just the the sequence of Nash turning around, realizing what happened, rushing in and completely like flying over the top rope and into the timekeeper's cave table. It's a super memorable spot. Like if yeah. you were if you think of this segment, you can picture it hundred oh, yeah. percent. Picture the diamond cutter and Nash is flying over the yeah. top and onto the table. Like it's such a good spot. <laughs> the table goes flying. Yeah. Um uh Paige goes out through the people. Uh, I mean he's pretty much a main man after this. Eric says he's out of his mind. He's now number one on the most wanted list. Mm-hmm. Um so so I mean this is what it is. Like Paige had been showing signs of 
improvement and steadily becoming uh, better connected with the people. But this is like a breakout, breakout moment. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the first times you can really see, I think, the NWO like completely caught off guard. Eat ass. Yeah. Like, I mean, they hadn't. Piper coming out at Halloween Havoc is maybe the only other one. Yeah. And that and that was so Hogan directive. Like I like that this one didn't have Hogan involved at all. Right. Um. So it kept with that, and it was just, it was nice, and it, and it really fell out of nowhere. Because I mean, I think up to this point, everybody like in that mid card area, like Bagwell or Norton or whoever, uh, Big Bubba, like they turned, like they yeah. went to the NWO. Everybody they recruited. Heavy giant's the only guy to really come back, and that just happened, and it's not even fully official yet. Yeah, so. yeah, so I love it. I mean, it's yeah. an all time segment. Uh, like you said, it's some super memorable where you can visualize it mm-hmm. years later. Um, it hits, it really I mean, works. yeah, it's great. Like, Paige goes from a guy with potential to a star in like two minutes, <laughs> it's a crazy, yeah. and it, it watching in order has helped us, I think, appreciate the turn more because it always seemed maybe kind of random in your mind, yeah. But watching all these nitros, this has been teased for like eight weeks. You know, it's like with all those interviews, oh, he doesn't get it, he doesn't get it. And they mm-hmm. kind of made Paige look stupid in a way. But this is like the ultimate F you. You're the idiots because, yeah, you tried to play me, but I'm a step ahead of you. I'm not joining your, your club. You know, I'm on my own. Um, and, and WCW needed a jolt of energy and a star. So they're getting the Steiners back. They're maybe getting the Giant back. And now they got Paige, this like star on the rise you know, turns down the offer and stays with them. So momentum seems to be, and, and the Piper win, right? So I would yeah. say this is like three weeks of some sustained momentum for WCW for the first time in a while. And that's not even kind of Luger, who's just kind of rolling through guys um, right. on his way up. So it seems like, okay, maybe we're starting to get somewhere in this war from the WCW side. Yep. Uh, then we get, uh, like in the commercial break, there's the... Uh you know, preceding announcement paid by the new world order. So it's a, it's a pretty long form promo by the outsiders now against the Steiners. I thought this did a good job of hyping their tag. Do you think they should air this before that segment? I know it didn't matter. This is clearly pre-taped, but like it might have like made them seem a little bit more locked in. If this was before, then you get to the segment and like, Oh man, they guys are on fire. They just, ripped apart the Steiners. Now they're coming out to welcome DDP. You know, it almost felt kind of weird that like we just see DDP screw them and then they're here acting cool. Again, I know it's not even pretending to be live, but like, it's like a minor thing that maybe this could have aired earlier in the night. Yeah, probably. Um, So like the gist is they say like the Steiners can go, but the outsiders are better. And then Hall rips uh, a lot off all to Rick Steiner, like saying dog face gremlin. That's appropriate. His face looks like a mutt. Only a mutter could love him and all this stuff. So a lot of digs here. Uh, I don't know if you wrote anything else down, but just, I love the uh, insults they give to the Steiners. But again, I thought, I thought it did a good job because it's like your typical outsider stuff where like they're confident, but they didn't necessarily like punch down to no. the Steiner's wrestling ability. Like they say they're good, but we're yeah, better. they credit them. And they say we just we got your x-rays, we know Scott's injuries, like we're yeah. gonna pick you apart and we're better. And the presentation is awesome. It's just like two cool guys riffing, getting their points across. It was super smooth. It's it's an awesome problem. I mean, these guys are both on fire, they've been on fire. I feel like this section of the NWO doesn't get talked enough about in their legacy. Um 
you know, everyone always talks about Nash and he can talk and he's a cool guy and he's almost too cool. But this initial end of your run, like he is phenomenal in all this. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's remember the Larry stuff, like all that, like when the clown on Larry that time, like there's so many yeah. good moments. It's on these random throwaway nitros. He's in the commentaries carrying matches. So he's a guy that has full control of his character and what he wants it to be. And Hall too, but especially Nash. Um, I feel like this run, heel Hollywood Hogan is the catalyst. But Nash, to me, is really the glue during this whole stretch of getting the NW over um, through his, like, talking and presence. I think, I mean, I think for Nash, it's, it was almost like it, it it seemed like it gave him a lease on life, right? Because by this point, he'd had all that crap of, like, you're the lowest drawing WWF champion ever. And he got cool towards the end of his run when he turned heel. But this is different enough. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think, I mean, and you saw it, like, even with the lawsuit they did. Like, Hall and Razor are, like, like Razor was cool right. still in WWF. Like, Nash, it, he really didn't have much of a chance from Diesel just from being, like, big and dominant. Like, that was more his thing. Like, his persona has blossomed so much. Um, and, you know. And he's as, funny. That's the biggest part of it. Like, and as we know, that's yeah, like. His humor is really coming out. Yeah. yeah. But it's, like, it's not done in a clown way. It's done in, like, you know, as awesome as 01 Austin is as a, as a heel, right? A lot of his comedy is drawn on the fact that he's kind of being a chicken shit throughout that run, right? Mm-hmm. So. Nash is effortless and keeping cool, being funny, and still being a fucking badass during this time period. Like, he's just, he's the King Jock. I mean, that's how he comes across, right? He's just like the likable King Jock, and that's it. He, he rules yeah. the school here. Yeah, he's, it's really good. It's, it's nice to see. I mean, obviously, like how we talked about how bad Hogan was in the doldrums. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, him turning heel is such a turnaround. Yeah. But I think Nash, too, like, his overall legacy is at, at at this point is so improved by joining the NWO. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about him a lot throughout this podcast as we get through. And there'll be a lot of ups and downs on like when he starts overusing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something he definitely like harnessed and, you know, parlays into other stuff down the road yeah um but it's because of the way he is now so i mean i i'd say definitely enjoy the ride for what we are now where he's 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 clearly one of the top stars on both shows and Mm -hmm. uh, looks like and one of the coolest guys on both shows too like as if you're just thinking like coolness factor he's he's up there with austin as like one of the coolest two people i think i think you can make an argument they're the two coolest on either show so that is good uh then uh we get our kind of our feature match for the week which is dean malenko versus eddie guerrero that sends the first hour uh tony and larry's come back tony says someone needs to peel hall off the mat uh, larry lets us know Paige is uh someone that sting should look up to so mm-hmm. complete 180 already for larry like on page he's like yeah this is the guy there you go yep uh we learned that piper was speaking gaelic last week when he's babbling yes was ancient so, language called gaelic system there we got that uh 
Sounded like Aaron George podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Gayling, maybe George. Like, um, uh, WCW committee has made a decision, and they're coming Got here. The way announcement, so they're crossing the street. As we <laughs> I think. I mean, now there's like a Dave and Buster's across the street. I don't know then <laughs> what was there, but yeah, maybe. Uh, so a uh, good mat wrestling to start between these two. Figure four gets plied, uh, and then. Uh, so, so pretty basic. This is this is kind of we've seen this template a couple of times on some of these long form matches. It goes about twelve minutes, where the first half's kind of very mad oriented, uh, nothing bad, but nothing great. There, there is one good piece of commentary I think by Larry here, where um, Guerrero's hooked in an arm bar, and with the camera angle, you can really see like his shoulder socket being ratcheted mm-hmm. back. And Larry talks about how like the bones not supposed to bend that way. Um, so he had some good hind you know, insight, but, um, crowd, crowd's fine. It's just, it's what it is. The match really steps up in the second half, but before we get that, uh, Tony is here with the big announcement. Uh, so they made sure to do this before the second hour, which I thought was pretty smart. And I like that they do it as they're throttling down the action. Like it's right. on purpose, right? That they go to the on right. bar and all that. And it sucks with the live crowd, but whatever. For TV, they're doing it so you're not missing the action and you can really focus on what Tony's about to say. Right. So Tony lets us know that uh, Giant versus Hogan will in fact happen tonight, which gets mm-hmm. a big whoa from Larry. Um, and then the second half of the match is a lot of stuff going on. So right. the match itself gets better. You got a lot of cool pinfall, reversals, high-impact moves. So the match itself gets a good bit better. Six is in the crowd on the ladder. So that's a distraction. That adds Mm -hmm. to Six versus Guerrero. It's sold out. Eddie ends up getting distracted and ends up getting pinned by Dean. Um, Just overall, Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero is a feud we'll see throughout 1997. So this is kind of the start of that. And they worked this match. I don't know if they knew they were going. I mean, that's very long term. But they definitely worked this match like a first match in a long-running series, which I thought was smart. Where there's, you know, Malenko kind of respects Eddie. Eddie's Mm -hmm. still like a very... uh, courageous baby face so like he's letting you know he's he's holding the ropes allowing dean to come in it was worked very cleanly um as a match so i like that um and then beyond everything else like once tony makes that announcement it's, it's like off to the races on the high mm-hmm. job for this main event where we get over a lot of the magnitude of the main event on commentary where this is the biggest Nitro main event, you know, call your friends, call your mom, call your grandma, you know, all this, you know, the big shield. Um, so just that's that's like four things that happened in this match, and they all seem to work and flow, I thought, together well. And overall, this created like a pretty cool package where if you're watching this show, um, especially if you compare it to what match was going on on Raw at the same time between Crush and The Undertaker, <laughs> yes. um, it's it's pretty tough to mm-hmm. uh, to pick that one over this one. And this is just a match you can just throw out on TV, anchor the hour, whatever. It's like, oh yeah, let's throw Eddie Guerrero Di Malenko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have the arsenal of talent right now to do that. We saw that with Ray. A few that like made ECW, by the way, two years earlier. Like this is right. like you know, yeah. A big I mean, deal. For your hardcores, it's like mm-hmm. okay. 
Um, so I went three and a quarter for this match. I, I, I liked it. I think it's a nice hidden gem. But as an overall package, I thought it was uh, very well done. Uh, and yeah. said it accomplished what it should have in all facets that it was going for. Yeah, like Tony saying, like the fans don't even know, you know, realize yet what they're about to see. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, here tonight. <clears throat> um, and then he goes all in about TNT being the top cable network, thanks to WCW and Robin Hood leading the way. <laughs> so uh, TNT is at the top, and yeah, the finish was was great with the power bomb. Uh, Dean winning, I think, surprised me a little bit, honestly, with Eddie having the big match with six. But like you said, six leads to the interference and, and the win. So. Um, we get the PlayStation replay here as well as part of this. But again, after a slow start with the crowd checked out, they really ramped up. And I'm fine with it um, because they had to do the announcement. So whatever. I still think maybe you could have done that maybe in the next match with these other guys where this one could have gotten their full attention. But they're also pro enough to tamp it down and be able to ramp it quickly back up and get there. So they got a lot of time. Um, you know, I, a little bit of a gentleman's great here for me because of the respect and effort, the strong close. Um, big win for Dean. I went three and a half. Like, like mm-hmm. I think I projected it a little bit, like into what it could have been and what it should have been. And again, out of respect, I probably gave him a little bump. I was probably about where you were on the match, but I think they deserve the three and a half. And for us, it's a hidden gem for sure. Yeah. When, you, when you consider that they did not only have a great match, they did their job to help yep. the story of the show go yep. across, right? They were able to proficiently bring the pace down and allow Tony, but still work it in an interesting way. It wasn't boring, but they were able to throttle it down to allow the announcement to happen and then ramp it back up. Yeah. This is one where I think like in the context of, you know, hardcore wrestling fans, like it's important to know and under, understand like roles and glass ceilings and there's stuff like that and there's certainly moments we could we'll be able to point to where there's you know like justification and being frustrated at the position of these guys going forward in the next couple years but for this instance and i've looked at reviews of the show and there's a seems to be a lot of critiques levied against this that like, Oh, like they were distracted. Um, I mean, it's like a team concept, right? Like, like on, on most of your teams, like sometimes you're not always the quarterback or the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the power hitter, like everybody serves a role. So this, I mean, this match itself was almost like the equivalent of the Dave Roberts stolen base and the, Right. You know, 2004 ALC, like that needed to happen. Like this match needed to happen to get over the other stuff and the magnitude. <clears throat> um, and they executed their role well. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's easy in hindsight. Like for me, like I mean, obviously, like Eddie's one of my favorite wrestlers. Like he's a great wrestler, one of the best wrestlers of all time. Dean, you know, is here or there, but has has some people have have him highly ranked too. Um, so it's easy to say like, oh, this is another instance of WCW holding back these guys trying to have a great match by putting over the old main eventers. Um, but I, I think I think everything worked well um, beyond that. And like I said, I mean, six is still there too. So that's yep. part of it too. So so I, I thought this accomplished everything it needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we start off with our number two. We get a recap of the giant stuff. Bobby and Tanae are brought in. Uh, Bobby, you know, says a few things, not much, but uh, basically says that Ogan has a Hollywood sized problem on his hand. 
Um, you know, he's got an angry giant that's trying to come after him, blah, blah, blah. One of the things I want to know about Malenko, too, like this is the year we know that he wins a PWI uh, yeah. number one. Right. So we should track that a bit, right? Let's see if he's like, if he would be our pick as the year goes on. But yeah. I mean, he's off to a good little start so far. But yeah. Uh, our match to open up hour number two is uh, super close, so I, I guess I don't, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he was supposed to do double duty or no. Like, I think they make it like because he didn't get to have that match. We found a replacement for him, okay. So he gets so, to wrestle again so now. Conan, who was just hanging out backstage, he uh, gets the call. Um, good, some good basic lucha to start. Uh, I thought there was a good many shots fired at this match. Mm-hmm. Tony lets us know they have the top. Mexican stars here in WCW. Uh, he mentions there's a six man at the clash, which is the way to watch them. Uh, Tanae backs that up and Bobby does as well. Um, and then uh, at least all commentary, like they're still talking about the main event stuff. And it's like, well, you know, they, they do mention they're like, sorry, we're maybe ignoring right. the action, but it's just like the magnitude of the main event. So, so that was at least good that they acknowledged. And Tanae and Bobby haven't really had a lot of time to talk about it. So right, right. Conan ends up winning with his like cradle DDT, um, which I don't know has a name. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, th- I thought this was fine. I, I went two stars. This was a, a, a again kind of like in the first hour mm-hmm. with the JL um, match. It was it was it was entertaining. It was what it was. It got his job done, and it ended. I liked it. Um, we uh, have Tony talk about Conan has taken up the torch for the dungeon. <laughs> He's got to become the, a, the the lead guy. That, you're a, you're a closet Conan fan. That's what I've learned doing this podcast. Yeah, you're peeling yeah. his potatoes every time we have a match. Like I'll say, like it was fine. And you're like I liked it. Big Conan, big K Dog guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the top ten on TNA too. He's good in that run. Oh my lord! Uh, Tanae talks about Colo getting his name from a band in Mexico, and Bobby says it's good. He didn't like. He doesn't like Diana Ross. Uh, that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, and like you said, they just really hype the traditional lucha six man tag is what they call it. Traditional mm-hmm. uh, at the Clash. I'll be ready for that. Uh, besides the, the late botch again, I thought the finish was actually kind of nasty. Like he really spiked him with the DDT. Um, the botch was that. Kolo doesn't get high enough on a charge, and and Conan just kind of drops a cross body on top of him. But I, I just. It's like a little bit of a spectacle. Like, Kolo took a real shit-kicking, and Conan just stiffed the shit out of him. So, I went two and a half. So, if that makes me a big Conan mark, so be it. But I, I thought it just felt fun. Like, he really – I feel like he probably is a guy that we'll see. He takes liberties with the other Lucha guys that he brings in, and he really potatoed the shit out of him. So, it was it was pretty good. You you and Meltzer, the two big Conan guys. Um, I did uh, – I did – um. You know, there's a so this is the most random match ever on Superstars the day before. Hector Garza faces TL. He faces TL Hopper, um, which is so thrown together. But in that match, Hector Garza has one of the worst 30 seconds I think a wrestler can have where he like he botches and then he does an atrocious cartwheel that. You know, my unathletic self could do a better looking cartwheel than what he puts out. Um, he has to pause. He runs into the referee in the corner. And then he tries to do the uh, moonsault to the outside from the second rope. 
He pauses forever. He doesn't get good contact on the moonsault. So it was just like, oh boy. Like they're, they're trying to Super start. was taped. Ball. I'm shocked that they ran it. Oh, like, this, this is so bad. Like it was shocking. I how, can't believe they aired it. Like I know oh. they're trying to push him as a threat. You'd think not airing it would be better. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to push. I'll and then does he not even end up? He's not, we'll talk about it, I guess. I don't think he's even in the Rumble. Is yeah. he in the six men? I don't know. I'll after put it on my... after Russo hypes him as a fucking threat to win the rumble. Yeah, threat to win the rumble. I'll put it on my Twitter. I mean, it was it was just like I was like, oh my Can god. You throw it up on Threads as well for me. <laughs> on <No>, Threads, <laughs> parlor. What was that? The Facebook. <laughs> Wasn't that what it was a couple years ago? Where it was like the Trump you know. one. Wasn't that the Trump? Yeah, one the Trump one. Yeah, no, yeah Threads is just parlor. like Threads is Meta's Twitter trying to fill the gap. There we go. Uh, so our uh, next match is Benoit versus Jeff Jarrett. For that match takes place, we get another Sullivan promo. Uh, he talks about how he's been lonely around the holiday season. He has a chessboard in front of him that he swats away. Says he owns the board and he'll take it back in Chicago. Uh, so basically issues a challenge for next week at Chicago. We also mm-hmm. learn they have a... a what, like a no holds bar or whatever match schedule for the clash too. But um, the weird thing is he mentions here too, you've messed with someone else in my life. So are they planning? I know we've had a hint before of something going on with Sullivan, but like, I, I don't know if this is meant like his kids or something, or is there someone else that's going to pop up that Benoit's also messed with? I, I don't know. It's hard to follow Sullivan. We'll see. Yeah. The human game of chess. Him and so they're going to fight back-to-back nights, basically, next week. They're going to fight in, in Chicago, and then they're going to have the false kind of wear at the Clash. Him and Sabisco need to just have a chess game to see who, just who wins the human game of chess yeah, the best. I think, you, you know what, the selling point that they should have plugged for this is that they'll face off on Nitro, then they're going to fight on the Clash, and Dusty Rhodes will be calling the match. Like, to me, that should have been the number one selling point for anyone who's oh, going to tune into man. the Clash. You don't want to miss Dusty calling a false kind anywhere match between Ben oh, and Sullivan. Dusty, so I've been trying to watch all the the filler episodes, like the Saturday nights and stuff. And I know I mentioned on the last episode that the Saturday night before the one six Nitro was the he's got a bicycle. Um, I mean, Dusty's run as a commentator right now is like Charles Barkley inside the NBA level. Like he is on the Saturday night, two nights before this show. He's he's firing on all cylinders too. Uh, one point, Tony mentions he says like, what's he say? Like, good luck to the Packers. <laughs> yeah. And Dusty's like, wait a minute, I know you're not dogging on my Cowboys <laughs> and all this. It's just like pissed at that. Uh, there's a ring girl that uh, takes uh, Squire David Taylor's robe, and he's like, oh, my goodness, and starts singing to her. I mean, it is just, it's electric. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's electric commentary between him and Tony. Uh, so, a woman's wearing a huge string of pearls, big pearl necklace. Um, and th- this is a quick match, but it's very yeah. intense, which I like. Like, Benoit goes right after Jarrett. <laughs> Jarrett is not um, liked by the New Orleans crowd whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Here's Jarrett sucks chant from the crowd. He gains the advantage and struts to turn a booze. <clears throat> Out comes the horseman, which distracts the crowd. Uh, Jarrett fires back as we actually get some Super Bowl talk by these announcers. Um 
because I mean, I don't think we mentioned it, but this is a cool moment where like this super the Superdome had held the uh, Sugar Bowl, which yes. ended up being Florida versus Florida State for the national championship, essentially. Then it held this Nitro, and then it's holding the Super Bowl in two weeks. So that was like great, uh, big time planning. Run. Yeah, where well, they and they let and it lets them, yeah, it's great planning, and it lets them put themselves on that level, like yeah. Sugar Bowl, Super Bowl, Nitro, like we're all <laughs> on the same level. Yeah, they can squeeze in, so that's that's really cool. Uh, and then we get the finish. So the finish here was a little uh, Mongo, bless his heart. He didn't he didn't execute this finish that well. So so uh, Benoit and, and uh, Jared are fighting in the corner, and Mongo grabs home to uh, Ben uh, to uh, Jared's tights mm-hmm. or his like his whatever's uh, spaghetti straps, whatever you call it, his stupid things. Um, and he's trying to get the the Halliburton from yeah, and Deborah and Mongo like wrestle together. So Mongo mm-hmm. lets go of Jarrett. At that point, Jarrett reverses with Benoit. So now Benoit's backs to Mongo. And what should have happened is kind of in one fluid motion, right. Mongo like grabs the briefcase and whacks Benoit before he can see that that is Benoit. Uh, but uh, there's the one point where, like, he sees, he turns his head and can see that, like, Benoit's been reversed. So he grabs the briefcase and kind of has, like, a pause and then whacks Benoit and then acts like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. So so a little bit uh, clunky on the execution there. In a way, though, it almost works because of Mongo and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Deborah and their issues well, with Benoit. It's like, eh, was it on purpose? Maybe. You know, right. it's like, in a way, it kind of... It kind of furthers the story of it that maybe yeah. maybe they did hit Mon- uh, Benoit on purpose, you know. I guess you can go meta with it, um, but uh, it's like a cover to the botch, you know. Yeah, as a match itself, I went two and a quarter. Like it was short, but it was very intense, so I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Um, the big announcement here is that Hogan Giants non-title. They say Hogan doesn't have didn't have forty eight hours notice, so pretty quick backtrack. Uh, but it's still a big match. Tony's hyping it. And it's clear they're doing this because sold out, they're going to still have this other match, right? So it's, we're not going to get screwed, but you are going to get to see Hogan Giant here tonight. So whatever. If you're horny to see Giant's Revenge, you're still in on it. Um, the Today, talking about the incident in Shreveport between Scott Hall and Brian Nobbs, but they don't have any substantial information. That's not the thing with like the security. That's later, right? What the hell happened with Hall and Nobbs? Do they have a fight? Is that what he, I don't know. Did he really hit him with a chair or something and fuck him up? Was that what it was? Oh, that's maybe. Sags, right? Isn't it Sags that gets it's Sags? Yeah. Maybe because that was from that, because he hurt Sags in the match. Nobs and him had a fight or something. Anyway, today mentions it and he's like, but it doesn't go anywhere. Um the match had a lot of chaos, a lot of back and forth. I like the finish. Um again, it could I could think it could have actually looked more awkward. I think they did all right. It may have because I just assumed they were trying to make it like Mongo could have done it on purpose. Um, Arn barks them. So I actually went two and three quarters. <laughs> I like the intensity of it. I like the story part of it. So I don't know. Everything on this on this episode has just been clicking with me so far. So Mongo's pissed. He argues with Arn on the outside. Mm-hmm. Deborah's she's really become one of my favorite heels of the company. Uh, she looks so happy with herself. She tells mm-hmm. the camera, I just don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> Tony talks about like it's a gorgeous smile and can you fix everything with a smile? Uh, then we get the big horseman interview, which we had a couple of weeks running now. 
Uh, Tony says, you know, Gene, try to figure this out. It's a mess overall. Benoit says they're resolving this now. Horsemen represent an elite team. Mongo should know that because he's been a part of elite teams. He's an all-pro football player, but if he wants to be an all-pro wrestler, he needs to quit fumbling the ball. Benoit says what's happened the last few weeks doesn't look like an elite team at all. He was handpicked by Arn Anderson to become a horseman. Mongo became a horseman due to unfortunate circumstances. Uh, he says that Deborah bad-mouthing everyone is just her style. And while he's saying all this, like, woman is staring him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he lets us know woman is 100% woman from head to toe. No plastic, no silicone, all woman. No wax. <laughs> yeah, so, so really, I mean, one of the better, I would say, Benoit. I thought it was a great promo from Ben, yeah, not like, to put him over, but it was a great promo from Ben. Like, he was pissed Uh, he came with a vengeance for this one yes uh mongo apologizes and says you know yeah my bad i've screwed up but you know i'm owning up to my mistakes blah 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 benoit then asks orn where flair is well but mongo i thought actually made a good point in this too he even says like hey yeah it was a mistake tonight but buddy We've a lot, won a lot of fucking matches with that briefcase. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like let's Halliburton. let's dial it back, man. Like yeah, on the yeah. on the Halliburton, yeah. Because it's uh, you know, it's won a lot. Yeah, and then he takes a good dig at Kevin Green. He goes, "Yeah, I made a mistake tonight, just like Kevin Green and the Panthers, <laughs> um, because I think they had just lost to the Packers, right, in the NFC yeah. title game. So, yeah, um, that was funny. So it gets a little dig at Kevin Green. So Benoit asked where Flair is, and I, I still don't know where they were trying to go with this Flair character, but Orange says Flair doesn't want to be a part of this personal thing. So this again plays in that Flair just like wants to party and be negligent right. and like yeah. I don't know. I mean, basically, like he wants to be like Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, well, why not just say he's obviously just not there. So why not just say, yeah, he's he's on a business meeting. He's trying to get an endorsement. He's or he's in rehab on the shoulder. Like, there's plenty of ways to cover for it. Basically, instead of saying he wants no part of this until it gets fixed, and we got to figure it out. Like, he's hand waving like, it. Is and this then, the leader, or is this? I mean, who is? Tell you, it's like Jerry here. Seinfeld. Like, have you noticed? Did you notice too that Gene? fucking like missed his cue uh benoit this is like an all pro promo for benoit he covers for him because they they kind of stop and then benoit goes and gene where's flair and then gene turns he goes oh uh flair's so sick to his stomach he didn't even show up um so it's like he it almost felt like he gave gene gene the cue to say where flair was you know what i mean to to pick it back up so the whole thing kind of Benoit was great. The rest of it is kind of falling apart. Yeah, yeah. So Benoit tells Mongo to shape up or ship out. Yeah. Uh, Then Deborah, of course, gets on the mic, and she's awesome, too. She says she's just devastated that these people would think she would gossip behind their back. She loves both these people to death. I mean, just huge boos are rated in on Deborah, and uh, and then and it ends with Mongo basically getting in Benoit's face, saying, "Hey, if you don't want to accept my apology, and frill and froggy, right, just right. jump." Um, and uh, just jump, baby. And then, and then one of the funnier moments too, like uh, Arn. It's just like God. He's so bewildered. He's, he's like, well, I still got to wrestle Rick Snyder. <laughs> That's really in the same. <laughs> but he's like so like flustered. He's uh, he's just like, it feels like a guy who's been home with the kids for like a long weekend. Oh, he's got like five is, kids. Oh. And he's, he's like, oh, all this and I got to deal with Rick Steiner. 
My exact thought was this was a guy that had a hard day at work and then comes <laughs> home and a kid's bought a new toy or something that he wants yeah. the dad to put together. He's something. so he's so exasperated. He's, he's like, so and now I gotta deal with Steiner. <laughs> deal with this crap too. It's like a weird blend of like a sitcom with like like a Melrose Place type thing. Like it's it's just a weird angle. But yeah. I thought this is one of the better ones. Yeah. Because it from both like like it was good but also from like the comedy that came with it but like i thought benoit carried this which you would never say in a promo with arn anderson involved like and even gene like benoit completely carried it he cues gene uh he rips mongo apart deborah was great and then yeah exasperated you know sitcom dad arn at the end just like completely having no you know, oh, there's nothing left to give yeah. nothing left to give here <laughs> Uh, so our next match, Scotty Riggs versus Bill Kidman, still the American males music for Scotty. Uh, basically, uh, not much of a match here. Uh, Buff comes out in the aisle with a new look. He's wearing his black jeans and has like a long robe and a mm-hmm. cap. Uh, Buff says Scotty is fat and he's buff, so he <laughs> basically buries. He does the opposite of what the outsiders do yep. with the Steiners. He completely shits on Scotty, calling him fat. Uh, Kidman does get in some offense, but he misses a 450 splash, which Tanae calls the shooting star for us. And then uh, Scotty hits the fisherman suplex. Uh, which was Bagwell's move, but we learn now he wants to call it the Ameriplex and wins. <laughs> the crowd didn't really care about this one much at all, and I didn't either. I went three-fourths of A-star. Oh, I gave it the gentleman's, too. I mean, it was oh. Uh, oh. I like Bobby saying uh, he likes he likes Bagwell's look. I like his look. Yeah, I liked his look. Uh, Tony mentions that the Omni is uh, home yes. to Nitro in March, first time since last January, so yep. we'll be back there in March. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was whatever. It was just a hype for a sold out. I mean, you get the male's explosion. Bagwell's getting over the new character. It was fine. Our road report. Do you have the notes on? Uh, well, first though, before this, um, Tony, I don't know if you noticed, Tony, Bobby, and today are resetting at the booth. And Tony asked Bobby, he goes, where did you get that water? And Bobby says, it's not water. And you could see him fumbling with something under the desk or whatever. So I don't know if he was pouring a fucking drink or what he yeah. was doing. I don't know if you missed it or saw it, but it was, it was hilarious. And nice. like, Bobby's completely caught off guard. Like, Tony got him. He's like, oh, where you get that water from? And Bobby just deadpans. It's not water. Uh, and he's, like, under the desk doing something. But it's worth <laughs> it's worth checking out. Yeah, I'll have to go back. I didn't catch that. Uh, the road reports in Chicago. Uh, Larry, I mean, Larry. Lee, Stagga Lee says the folks at Six Flags want to open a ride called the Tilt a Weasel. Today loves that one. He's laughing like no one has ever laughed before at that joke. Um, and then we see that Aaron Neville and his family are in the crowd. And yes. fucking Aaron Neville is like the biggest front runner in wrestling history. I, I feel like he's everywhere, <laughs> jumps back and forth. No loyalty as a, as a fan. No, no. Just doesn't. <laughs> what was the. Every, uh, we all play the fool there. Everybody who plays was, the fool for Aaron. Who was the basketball player that was cheering the, the NWO? Oh, AC Green. AC Green. AC Green. Just completely <laughs> flip flopping, depending on who's out there. Yeah. WF, he's out. He's at SummerSlam. A couple months yeah. later, he's at Spring Stampede. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you doing, man? Pick a side. No loyalty here. He's a wrestling fan. Get off his back. <laughs> yeah, Stagger Lee tells us to uh, call Oprah to get tickets. I don't know if she was soliciting tickets or not to Nitro, but um, there you go. Uh, Bobby says he's not Lee Marshall, but Harry Carey. So <laughs> a lot of bad, bad jokes between them two tonight. Tilt the Weasel. Was this is like a, I, I feel like this just had a lot of 
unintentional humor throughout this episode too. There's all a lot of funny stuff like that. I don't think they were even trying to do a lot of it, but right, it really is carrying things along. <clears throat> uh, Lex Luger versus Rick Fuller. Fuller doesn't back down at first. They have kind of a power matchup. Fuller gets a uh, a leg in and a running clothesline and a leg drop for two. He yanks on the arm. Tony says that's good. He's taking away the primary tool of Luger. Mm-hmm. Some nasty chops from Fuller. I thought he actually looked pretty good, shockingly. Uh, and then Luger rallies um, and has the fans on his side, goes through the clothesline, forearms, torture rack, and that ends it. So uh, I thought this was a fun squash. And of itself, this may be the best Rick Fuller ever looks and what we see him. You know, faint praise, but praise nonetheless. So I want two stars here. I like this squash. So I just went the one for this, but it was, uh, you know, I like how they always have Luger fight the big guys. Like it just yep. kind of, again, put, puts over that gimmick of him that he can rack anyone. He's on the hot streak of his of his life right now. He's definitely becoming the ace for WCW. When they finally pull the trigger on him, it's going to be fun to see it right. come apart. Um as Luger's leaving, Giants come to the ring and they kind of stare down each other. So that was cool too. Yeah. Uh, Rick Fuller, super nice guy, by the way. I hung out with him at a bar after a Northeast <laughs> Indy because he's big up here in the Northeast. Um, so I went to his show. John was on. John Walters was on, and we we hung out after at the bar. So nice guy, very nice no. guy. Uh, yeah, I did like the stare down. I thought that was good. Luger, come, a Giant comes out as Luger's leaving. They they sort of size each other up, um, and then uh, Giants coming into the ring for an interview with Gene. But I thought it was good they mentioned that like Sting whispered to both of them, and we yes. still don't know what he said. So, so there's that kind of lingering over both of them. Uh, we get the giant promo. He says he's getting support from WCW, but it's not really about NWO or WCW for him. It's about two people, Hulk Hogan and him. Uh, somebody asked him how bad he wants it, and he wants it real bad. <laughs> he wants the World Heavyweight Championship. He won't be a bookend anymore. He kept the NWO together. Now the books are falling apart. And tonight he closes the chapter on Hulkamania. He's kind of not wrong about it falling apart, though. Like, since he's kind of turned, we talked yeah. about it. Steiner's are back. Yeah. You know, Sting's lingering, and uh, DDP has turned. So I kind of like him, even if he overplayed his role a little bit. We don't know what the per- perception is behind the scenes that maybe he was one of the peacemakers the of the catalyst group. to do it all. The- <laughs> or just keeping everything together. You know what I mean? Like, oh, kind of okay. maybe on the back or keeping Hogan on track. Who knows, but got you. Uh, now we get Arn coming out for his Steiner. Flustered on Circle. He's dealing with Urkel. Some talk about Steiners versus the Outsiders. Uh, Tony says after what Paige did to them tonight, Outsiders have been taken down a peg or two. Arn gets the early advantage, does some jumping jacks. Did you see the entrance? Scott leads Rick out like on oh, a yeah. chain. With the chain. <laughs> what the fuck Dumb are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah. He's yeah, walking he, up to the he, ring with a fucking chain. He literally has a <laughs> ring. Yes. Very nice. This is quite the episode. <laughs> um, big overhead suplex by Rick. Arn bells to the outside and is waving for backup. You know, it's like, come on. And no one comes out. The, no the help one, never shows. No one comes out. Yeah. Gets back in the ring, gets a hit with a power slam by Rick. Uh, Arn goes for the DDT. That gets reversed. He calls for backup again. <laughs> then, like, a pretty humorous finish. Uh, he just leaves. Like, he's like, screw it. If nobody's going to help me, I'm walking out. So he, like, walks to the back. Like, uh, you know, this again is the dad going to his garage and going to drink a beer to, like, let off some steam. Like, he just, he's done. 
done man. So I, I mean, I went half star. I, I mean, this was all. I, I didn't even give it a grade. I, I mean, I, I think it just it looked. I honestly didn't like this that much. Like Rick and Scott <laughs> looks stupid with the fucking chain. Um, Arn. Arn looks like a loser. Like, why does he need? It's like Vader getting the tips from his kid. Like, like why does Arn need? It's like a two-second match with Rick Steiner or whatever. Like, you can't fucking wrestle this match. Like, it's like he's hurt. If Arn was hurt or something, or if there was like four guys out there, like, why does he need help? It just made him look like kind of a dope. Like, it's not like Scott was even really interfering or anything. It it just didn't make him look good. And honestly, this whole thing only exists to talk about the Robin Hood stuff, right? Which is what they do the whole match. So Tony explains. Robin Hood is going to start at 10 o'clock, but because of the importance of the match, if it goes past 10, they'll be back during the commercials of Robin Hood. So this is like only, so again, just like earlier, this could have been done with just like the, the announcers at the booth. Like we didn't need this segment was pointless. So we already know Arn's aggravated. We know the horsemen are falling apart and we know Rick has wrestled. So it's like, this is like Scott's return. So I just don't think we needed like any of this, you know? And I, again, I think I know that they're filling they're trying to get to 10 o'clock, but they could have filled in the announcers, right? Yeah. They're trying to get us to to get to the Robin Hood stuff. I don't I don't know why they kept having Arn wrestle. I mean, because he was like legitimately hurt. Like he right. only has like two more matches after this. So wow, that's crazy. So it's it's like, I mean, he's definitely banged up. Like he wrestles on Saturday night. No, that's that's before this. Yeah, he wrestles he wrestles at the clash. And then he wrestles it sold out, and then he wrestles it two more nitros, and then a Saturday night taping, and that's and I thought it was like later '97, but wow, that's nuts. Is it? No, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, sorry, I was looking at Rick Steiner. No, no, no. I was gonna yes. say because he's in the. Isn't he at sold? I mean, no, no, he's not, no, no. He's not at sold out. No, no, no. I'm at Slamboree. Yeah, yeah, no. It's it's he has he wrestles, uh, one Saturday night taping. And then the next two nitros, and that's it. And that's it. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the thunder, but right, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, very very quick. I mean, he's obviously hurt, but they kept trotting him out there, which is a little weird. I don't know. Right. Like this, this was an opportunity to, to rest him. <laughs> like we didn't we didn't need uh, Then we get the Steiner interview with Gene, which also has a lot of unintentional <laughs> comedy. Uh, so Gene says, you know, they know about Scott's back injury. Scott says they made two mistakes. One, invited him to the pay-per-view, and two, thinking he's still hurt. He'll put his fist down his throat and make an example of him. And at this point, like, you can tell Gene's like, all right, like, wrap it up. But then he moves on to Nash. He says, like, Nash would have an advantage in basketball, but this is a that. <laughs> And he essentially gets the uh, award ceremony wrap-up music where, like, the nitro music fires yeah. up. Gene just basically has to say, like, we're out of time. And then Bobby <laughs> says, nice interview, Rick. Like, he doesn't <laughs> Rick Steiner not even say <laughs> Well, you can tell that they're – I mean, I think they were really trying to tightly time this out. Like, so they really had to stay on cue because they're trying to hit a certain point in the match to go to, <laughs> to, go to Robin Hood. So. Yeah. Uh, sold out it's Robin obvious Hood. at this point they're going to Robin Hood. I mean, if you were watching oh, yeah. live, like yeah. we're starting this match with like two minutes, minutes to go, whatever yep. the fuck it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sold out promo with Six Nash and Ted DiBiase talking about their various match. I thought this looked cool too. Mm-hmm. Like had some interesting graphics, looked a little different. Um, it was quick, a quick hit, but yeah, I enjoyed this. And now it's time for a big main event. So Tony lets us know as we come back. We got six minutes to Robin Hood. 
So the whole NWO minus Bischoff and the Outsiders comes out leading Hogan. Hogan gets kind of his big time entrance. Giant comes out to no music. Uh, Hogan immediately bails to the outside. Now Tony lets us know there's only two minutes to go to Robin Hood. Hogan's on the mic. He says, fee fi fo fum you are a big dumb-dumb. And when you're with Trillionaire Ted and the NWO, we do what we want when we want. He used the Giant as a friend but doesn't need him anymore. Uh, so at this point, he gets too close. Giant grabs him, pulls him into the ring, and slams him to a big pop. The bell rings. Bobby says this makes him feel good, seeing Hogan get dominated. As Tony lets us know, we have one minute to go to Robin Hood now. Hogan gets sent headfirst to the turnbuckles. He bells the outside again. He says, I quit. Giant chases him down, and now they sign off of Nitro. Um, so this is what you'd get. If you went, so now you get the first segment of the uh, Adventures of Robin Hood. If you watch this on the network, it fades to black for like a second. Yeah, it comes back. Then it cuts in, which would have been the first commercial break. So the first commercial break, we're back. Uh, Tony lets us know that they're coming in live, which, you know, it's like, come on. It's like, how long was this yeah. match? Um, so that's a little dumb. Tony says Giant is taking the fight to Hogan. Chopped from the Giant. Clothesline by him. Uh, low blow by Hogan, but that doesn't have any effect. He pulls Randy Anderson in front of him. And then Giant stuffs the bandana down Hogan's Well, and there's like a fan disturbance, too. Like Dillinger and security. Like yeah, Dillinger runs over. He's like <laughs> coming to somebody. <laughs> so, again, busy night for Dougie. Um, so, so, they sign off again. They're like, come back when the next commercial break will be back. Again, they come back one more time. We're still live. Uh, slam by the giant. He calls for the choke slam, and then the NWO comes in for interference, and that's it. So, so I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we can talk about this like long form. Like, I, I did you rank this? Like, I want no grade. I, okay. I mean, it's not even a match. It's yeah. it's clips, and I mean, so in the in the structure, what they're trying to say basically is the match went. A half hour or 20 minutes, I guess. Because yeah. what do you think two segments would it like? Usually, I'd the first segment of a TV show is usually like 10 or 11 minutes at least. I'd um, say, you know, 25 minutes yeah. probably. Yeah. So a 25 minute of Giant is beating up Hogan to the end of the finally gets involved. Um, I mean, overall, like, I think it's a good use of the TV and synergy, even if it's goofy the way they did it. Like, but they had to do something that would make fans stick around, right? So, I was trying to think of like what else they could have done. Could they have said, if you come back during the first commercial, we're going to have an exclusive interview with Hulk Hogan about sold out, right? Could that have kept fans? I don't know. Like, so what could it have been good enough to get fans there besides this match or a marquee match, right? So I, I think the way they did it was fine. I'm glad they only did it halfway through Robin Hood, not the whole friggin' show. Like, I think that would have been probably pushing it a little bit more. Um, I think letting Giant dominate Hogan gives you a hook for sold out as well. So now they have footage of him just destroying him in this match. Makes right. you think like, okay, he's just going to do this again. Uh, it's sold out and win the title. Um, so, I mean, that's just my thoughts on the match. We can talk about Robin in a minute if you want, but uh, the match and the idea itself, I, I, I think it's a creative concept. I give them credit for trying it. Even if the execution was a little goofy. Um, I like that. They were trying to think outside the box. Yeah. I'd like to probably need to look in the nitro book and see like what they say about this. Cause I mean, I do think it's part of it. Like they were given a directive. I'm sure. Um, so that's part of it. Um, as a match overall, it's interesting, but it, it feels kind of 
cop outy, but again, like we're two weeks from the pay-per-view. Like you weren't gonna get anything definitive anyway. Um just seems a little odd. So they should have maybe done like a six man that could have been believable to go twenty five minutes. Like maybe yeah. Hogan, Hall, and Nash against Giant, Luger, and DDP. So whatever. You know, what I mean like throw throw whoever in there, Eddie. Something, right? Where it's like, okay, this is a believable twenty minute match. Or don't show the entrances. Like as Nitro's ending, it's just the NWO starting to come out. And then when you come back, it's a little bit more believable that the entrance just could have taken six or seven minutes to get going. Now we're not as long in. Like, so maybe it's a little less goofy. But um, again, I, I don't hate on it. Like, I don't think it's like a dirty tactic or anything. Like, if you watch this really think you were going to get some big Hogan giant thing, you're kind of a rube. I guess. Like, like even yeah. me, who's super into this shit at age 16 at this time, like, I don't think I got angry at 1030 thinking I got fucked over. Like, I was just like, okay. Like, you know, whatever, we get to see Giant beating up Hogan. So it's like, and that was a selling point. Giant beating the shit out of Hogan was like a selling point. So, like, to me, it's not like a bait and switch or anything. Like, I don't think they screwed you out of anything. I don't know. I can see why people may think it. Like, oh, they promised us Hogan Giant. We didn't really get it. But they didn't really. They just said, we'll show you highlights during the commercials. So they didn't didn't say you were going to see a whole match, you know. Right. Okay. Uh, Robin Hood, by the way, airs four seasons. Uh, 52 episodes. The first two are on TNT. The second two are on syndication. But that's pretty good for that show, though, to go four seasons, 52 episodes. Like, I would have thought it was one of those, like, six or seven and done situations. But the big thing with the 90s is, like, I've already talked about content today where, like, oh, there's a million channels and content can go on. Like, back then, this kind of shit had a lifespan in syndication. And um, there was a millions of these types. Xena and, like, all those types of shows, like, had lives they, you don't even know when the frig the shit was on. It was just like air, all these random times. Yeah. Uh, Hercules, like all that um, kind of stuff. Like those are a big deal for people. Like, so I could see why a show like this out of this time slot, if this was actually like in the afternoon in syndication, like grandma, grandpa watching this show, like they, you know, Robin Hood was like a memories of the old days kind of thing. Um, for a little tidbit for my buddy Tim, fellow NWO fan, Robin Hood was played by Matthew Peretta, who would go on to play a resident assistant. Dan Rubin in 90210. Ten episodes, of course, as Andrea's uh, paramour. And I believe the first person that Andrea slept with, I believe, was big old Dan uh, Dan mm-hmm. Rubin. So he is Robin Hood here. Uh, the show also f- uh, features uh, Anna Galvin, who I think becomes like the bigger, probably the biggest star to come out of this. I don't know. She's a star, but she's like in a ton of stuff. Like if I named everything she's been in, she's like a huge filmography like uh, from there. So if you went and look at it, like she, you know, stuff like a lot of diff- different shows and movies and she's still active right up until 2020 so she she, she has a lengthy career after this i star strong i would say like consistent actress off the I, I'll put it that way. i did watch, I, I did watch the opening segment of this uh pilot episode made it uh, through yeah. the uh, title card and uh didn't recognize anybody uh, <laughs> on name value alone when they well there the is movie. one star actually that's in this Who, show. who's in there and that is Warwick Davis, who's the little person, plays Wicket in Star Wars. Uh, oh. And he's he's in the whole, like, Star Wars, every movie, basically. Right. Okay. Um, plays every character. So I'd say he's probably the most well-known yeah. person that's in this. That's so. 90210 bomb. Well, I'd say him. Anna Galvin was the one that True. did, like, she, her filmography is, like, crazy. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, tune in right after this <laughs> for more Robin Hood. Uh, all right. You want to get to our awards? Sure. All right. So, uh, match of the night, I think very easily, Guerrero and uh, Malenko. Yep. 
Okay. Uh, moment. I, I want DDP attacking the outsiders. Oh, yeah. Easy. That's easy. Did you do page for MVP? I went. I didn't put Giant. I don't know. But then I wasn't crazy about his promo. But it is a big night for him. He looks like a maniac. He's like dominating Hogan. I think he comes out as the biggest star. Probably it's very weird because it's one of those where like you could do Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean Page is part of it, but like he's he's really old the old screen for like two minutes. I'm, I'm gonna go Giant. I, I think Giant was a star coming out of this. He like attacking the lock, locker room, um, yeah. the promo, dominating Hogan through the commercials. Like you know, he's kind of the guy on the show. Okay. It's probably the weakest Hogan's looked, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he's not on very much either. So for his like per appearance, like yeah. it's an easy pay. Like for him, you think him staying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Sullivan was there, but all he had was that backstage pre-tape. Promo. Yeah. It's like, wow, these guys are just easy night for a lot of them. Uh, I didn't have any shots fired. I guess the Lucha stuff you mentioned. Um, yeah, that was it for me. Uh, debuts, I had Rick Fuller and Mark Starr. Yep. Uh, Road report with Chicago. And for an overall grade, I went seven and a half out of ten. Like, I feel like this episode gets maligned because it's remembered as a Robin Hood episode. But the DDP turn is awesome. I thought they did a really good job hyping Giant Hogan throughout the night. Uh, we had Guerrero and Malenko, which was great. Uh, so good on intentional humor, the stuff we covered with the horsemen and all that. So I liked this episode quite a bit. Yeah, I went seven. Um, I, I liked the episode. It's an interesting episode. Like, it was good. It had some, like, great moments. It had some funny moments. It's, it's kind of an interesting episode to digest. But um... it's the doorstep of their big week. Like, so it's going to be fun going, walking through. Uh, once we get up past the Rumble, we're going to get that three-week span of the Chicago Nitro clash sold out. Three episodes in a row, right. we're going to dig deep in WCW. So I'm curious to see how they keep those three burning on three consecutive shows like that. So, Right. All right, let's head over to Raw, January 13, 1997. Chad, where are we at here? Are we still... Uh... Knickerbocker. Knickerbocker, yeah. So this is the go-home for the Royal Rumble. We open with a recap of Sid's actions from last week, as well as Brett's march to the Rumble. Austin has attacked him and beat on his leg on Superstars as well now. So that is uh, laid out for us. We get our opening animation and go to our opening match as Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Jerry the King Lawler take on Mark Merrow and Goldust. Um, you know, this feud rolls on. Honky Tonk is in the booth with Vince. They set up the show ahead. We get clips of the battle from two weeks ago where Mero and Goldust at the ring. Honky talks about how Goldust and Mero may have trouble meshing as a team. We start a quick brawl, all four guys. It ends with King and Hunter clearing out the reset. Uh, we get some rumble strategy talk as Goldust demands Hunter but doesn't get his wish. So we start off with King and Mero. Mero chucks King around. We get some more stalling as Goldust is trying to get at Hunter. We slowly get back going with King and Mero. Vince hypes the big Sugar Ray. Leonard uh, Hector Macho Camacho fight in Atlantic City on March 1st. So there you go. Vince loves his boxing. Mero cleans out King and Hunter, and we slow down again. Hunter comes in now, takes over on Mero with some right hands. Honky says everything boils down to money or women in the WF. Goldust gets a tag, but Hunter scoots away and tags out to King. Honky talks about O.J. Simpson keeping his cool in the witness stand today as King and Goldust lock up and continue to amble. Goldust uh, finally knocks Hunter off the apron and hammers away before they get separated. Vince talks about the week of festivities in San Antonio. We're having a big raw party tonight, which I don't know if that was a dig at the Nitro parties or not, but um, that was a funny little funny little note from Vince. Mero gets trapped in the corner, double teamed for a bit as Hunter and King keep hammering away. Vince hypes Raw in Beaumont, Texas next week, says the Rumble winner will face the loser of the world title match on that show. So if Sid or Sean, whoever loses that, is going to face the winner of the Rumble. 
in Beaumont. Goldust gets a tag, batters King, who tries to tag, but Hunter walks away from him. Goldust cuts through King. King briefly turns the tide, but Goldust tags Mero, who comes in on loads. King regroups with Hunter, tags out. Hunter throws Mero outside and kicks away. After the break, Hunter's working over Mero. Vince asks Honky his thoughts on Hunter. Brett and himself as icy champs, so Honky rambles about that. Mero gets a flying head scissors. He wakes up the crowd a bit, tags Goldust. He tackles Hunter and unloads with a flurry, smacking King as well. Goldust is pouring it on, punching and choking. He ties Hunter on the ropes and chokes him. He slugs down King. When Mero tries to put Goldust off, Goldust hits him as well. And the ref calls for the bell and the DQ. And <laughs> Mero looks like a bitch as always, says Goldust slaps him around. Uh, this is pretty boring, uh, basic and pedantic. Uh, the stalling and punching, the crowd was dead. Goldust and Hunter stuff, I thought was fine to hype the Rumble match. Like, that was kind of the most interesting part of this. But overall, it's another sleepy, big Raw match at the back end of a taping. Mero got owned by Hunter. Goldust pants him at the end. <laughs> he looks like such a clown. And um, I thought Goldust looked the best in all this. Hunter looked like a bitch, too, hiding from him. I went the whatever, it's flat two and a half, but because there's some stuff in there, but the, the crowd was not into it. And like I said, Mero just looks like such a loser. A crowd definitely not into it. Um, so another one of these weird matches, man, where it's like you have Lawler, or Lawler and uh, Goldust, two of my top 100 wrestlers of all time in a tag match. Hunter, who's had some good stuff and mm-hmm. would be in some people's top 100, top ones if you're Chris Cola. But, um, um, and then Marrow, mm-hmm. capable, like it's four capable people for sure. And it's just like they right. again have this sleepy end of the taping baseline match that has no heat. Um, I honky, I did not like on commentary on the show. Like he's still trying to do the whole I'm recruiting somebody. It just felt like with him and Vince. Um, it almost felt like they like stepped into a time machine from 1988 and like came out the other end. Like they feel very dated in the 1997 last. The style does too. Like I'm thinking about it now. It feels like in in through most of '96 on Raw, they've been working like the MSG '80s house style. Yeah, and they're not realizing like the world has changed from ECW and Lucha and what Nitro's got going on. And they're still wrestling like a matches with stalling, with right. like chicanery, like. And I don't know if you want to blame Cornette or not. Like he had the heavy hand in the book throughout '96. It's very kind of. I don't say the Memphis thing because I know Memphis is different in action, but like it is a lot of just old school style work. No, I and, mean I. I think it's. I think your MSG comparison is what it is. I mean, it's WWF house show style antics. Like that's when you see the stalling and you see the rotation and commentary and stuff. It's like chin locks. The like it's it's very very variety. Yeah, Yeah, like a variety style feel. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work because I mean, especially for us. Like even now, I'm watching more of the stuff, but it's like from. You had one one hour a week, really. Like that that was where most of your eyes were. So let's maximize that. Right. And uh we're still here. And like you mentioned, like Marrow looks so awful at the end. He of looks this like match. such a bitch. It just like I mean when Goldust just throws him down, it's like like, like Goldust 
like if you're in Romero's mind, like you're partner with this guy who causes your team to lose on the DQ, then he punches you and you just like, <laughs> right, you just take it. Yeah. Yeah, like, and what? it's your rival in the ring who right. just whipped you again for the 30th freaking time. You know what I mean? Like in the last eight months. Oh, I mean, I think this is maybe like the transition to where they finally stop like mm-hmm. presenting Marrow this way. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's rough. It's this is rough one feud. set of guys I wish stayed at 90s. This feud, like, we're done. Yeah. Like, I mean, Hunter and Mero have fought so many times, and Mero has never gotten over on him. Um, you know, King is fine in this role, but it's like, since when is King the tough guy shielding? Like, why is he in there taking bullets for Helmsley? You know, what I mean, like, it just like Helmsley should have hired someone like Muscle to like stand in for him here or whatever. Like, it's yep. it's just goofy. Um, but to your point, we get really 45 minutes a week. Like they have guys like whatever, like tell them to frigging go, like go put on a match that is going to wake up the crowd and engage the audience. You know, this is a long match. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched the show second and it felt like this match was 45 minutes. It, this was it. The whole show is tough as a go home. Um, Anyway, so what you went to on the, uh, What'd you say in this? Two and a quarter. I mean, yeah. it's like if you efficient. It's yeah, it's it's weird because like if you look at the bones and what they did, it's okay. It's just I don't know. Boring. Boring. It's tough to come off a nitro and watch this. Like it's just tough. Uh, We see Shawn Michaels and a bunch of fans are at a raw party in Park Place in San Antonio. Uh, we didn't get a clip of Sid. He's at the Alamo Dome. This is from earlier. He cuts a promo of fighting monsters. And he'll be the monster to take what's his and walk out as a champion. Sid talks about what he's going to do to Sean in front of his mother, his friends, and Jose Lothario, who better know, who better know, uh, who should know better than to get not get involved this time. He says, Sean will summon all the Mexicans from Mexico. 70,000 of them. 70,000 of them will know that Sid's look says he's the man, the master, and the rule of the world. Um I thought they missed a really good opportunity here that would have been funny to have George and Adam in the background. I was going to ask you. I thought that would have been funny. Like, I know maybe they're trying to make this serious, but I think it would have been cool if they were just in the background. Like, that would have really sold the whole stupid yeah. thing they're doing. Where yeah. were these guys at? They've yeah. been here for months and they missed people. <laughs> I mean, why sit there so early? Like, what is he? Well, they're in town the for the week, right? So maybe he's just, they said, I mean, so he's got to go to the middle of the season. Yeah, he's working out. He's working out the rig. Right. Um, I thought Sid seemed menacing and on edge. It was fine. But like, again, it's, it is what it is. I mean, the Mexicans that... or Mexico part was, was a <laughs> classic Sid. Is that Road Dog that's with Michaels at the, oh, I didn't even notice. Place? I, it, it looks like him a couple of shots. Well, it probably wasn't just Sean. I'm guessing they probably had a bunch of wrestlers there for the party or whatever. Is like my they guess. said they were going to do the shotgun from there. Mm. Um, but it just seemed weird. I I don't know. I I meant I kept meaning to go back because it was like it wasn't while he was doing his promo, but when they cut to a couple like here's Sean and Park Place right. or whatever in San Antonio, he was it. <laughs> like the real well, day. Yeah, I don't know if I have it in my notes eventually, but um, I, I think, again, I think they probably just had a party with superstars there. That was a selling point. Was, I, I doubt it was a Sean. They probably had a bunch of guys there. Interesting um, looking crew that showed up to this party with Sean. Like, I don't know, like, not to be <laughs> discriminatory, but if you're projecting Sean as like this, you know, sex icon, maybe. Yeah. Uh, might, might not have heard the hot ladies yeah, there with him, you know. A couple of a couple of gals in that helped the uh, the appeal overall. 
I mean, I'm sure there's some strip clubs they could have they could have hit yeah, up and could have recruited. Yeah, sure. All right, so we take a break. We go back to Park Place. Uh, we get a highlight package uh, on the Sean Sid feud. Back to Sean, who says the monster's out of him, and he may not be as big as Sid, but he'll get in the gutter and get nasty with him. That's how they do it in Texas. It would be nice or kick you straight in the teeth. That's what they'll do on Sunday. Sid took out his wrath from Lotharios, but he isn't defenseless. He's all man and a yard wide, and his family and friends will fill the dome, and Sid's going to be the most unpopular man in town and fall to HBK. He calls Sid Stalin, <laughs> which I don't really get. Um, he says he'll be a world champion on Monday morning, and Sid will be finding his teeth in his stool sample. Sean talks about the pressure of his family and friends and says he doesn't let people down. The pressure's been on his shoulders for three years now, and he always delivers and is the man no matter who likes it. Vince says shotgun will take place in Park Place. Um, I thought Sean brought some heat finally. Like I, I feel like he actually believed what he's saying for once. I didn't feel as forced as most Sean stuff. Um, I just I think we just need this feud to end and like get on to something else. I think Sean Sid is as fresh as it was in November has kind of run its course now at this point. Uh, final sell for Sunday by both guys. I like that they did it. Like you needed kind of the dueling promos. We're done with them interacting. So I thought it was a fine one last chance to hard sell them people on checking out the show. Yeah, I don't think. The power bomb to Pete necessarily added a lot of juice. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm ready for the feud to be over. To be honest, promo was okay. Uh, Bret Hart comes out. He's he's limping from the attack on superstars, and he is uh, wearing jeans, a white button-down shirt, and a black or brownish velvet oh, vest. Terrible. terrible, terrible look. And I don't know, if you know Canadian fashion, I think it's on brand. Um, see, see anyone from Canada? Uh, but I think it's uh, Mark yeah, he's wearing this. <laughs> stands out. Uh, we go back to superstars where Austin attacked and beat on Brett's leg after a match with the Sultan, uh, and he actually pilmanized his ankle, which I had forgotten okay. that they did that. Yeah. Uh, Brett joins the booth, and Honky wonders if Brett's even going to make it to the Rumble. So right in his face, he does say questioning if he's going to be there. Uh, we take a break. We get more clips of the Raw party. Vince hypes the Rumble. We go back to Superstars two weeks ago where Bulldog uh, interfered and cost Austin a match against two jobbers. So do you have any comments on any of this before we get to the next match? No. Go on. Okay. All right. Rocky Maivia is here. He's taking on the British Bulldog. Bulldog and Mason are in the ring. Rocky jogs out his biggest match, really, since Survivor Series, probably. Brett yep. pumps up Rocky's potential. We get clips from Shotgun where Mark Merrow and Sable got into an argument when Merrow got attacked by Diesel while saving Sable from Honky Tonk, and then Honky stalked Sable and Rocky came out to make the save, Merrow reemerged, and him and Rocky threw down. So you mentioned this could be it probably for Merrow, and yes, I do believe this was meant to be the kickoff of Mark Merrow's heel run that gets aborted due to the injury. But um, so yeah. I, think we're, I think we're finally at the end of the real yeah. rough first year for Mark Merrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big failure. We eased into things with some stalling and test holds. Uh, wrestles, I should say. As Vince says Austin has slowed down Brett. But Brett says Austin's just another guy trying to mess with his life and end his career. The DF is a lawless land, and he'll destroy everyone first. And Austin's knees are going to be history. Rocky works the arms. Brett talks about Rocky Johnson and Peter Baivia. He seems very high on Rocky. Honky asks Brett if he can get his knee healed and be an option for Honky's list. And Brett says no comment. Bulldog gets knocked outside. He paces around frustrated. Rocky continues to work the arm. Owen Hart comes out. Brett says Owen needs to leave him alone as things have been better at home lately with them. I thought that was a nice little seed plant for them. Like, hey, you know, we're finally kind of peaceful at home, buddy. Uh, you know, things are maybe on the men with Brett and Owen. So I thought that was... Interesting little note for, I don't know if it was intended or not, but I thought it was interesting yep. um, where things go. Owen puts a slammy right in front of Brett and then uh, he's shit talking him and then just stares at Brett the whole match like this. 
to make sure he doesn't get up in an affair. Stares right in front of Brett. Bulldog, I don't know how Brett kept a straight face. Brett, uh, Bulldog takes over. He works over Rocky through a break. Rocky's on the floor when we come back. Brett says he just wants to concentrate on the match, but Owen is irritating him. He can't trust him. Owen's great. He's just staring, standing like a statue, just not moving. Rocky <laughs> comes back on the sunset flip for two. Bulldog cuts him down, cranks a chin lock, gets a delayed vertical. There's this fan that keeps doing an absurd cackle laugh at ringside, and it's so loud over the silence of the rest of the crowd. It was driving me nuts, this whole match. Rocky breaks a second chin lock. Both guys get to collision. We get a slugfest. Rocky heats up. He dances like his dad. Rocky knocks Bulldog outside. Austin shows up and takes out Bulldog's knee. Brett tries to get by Owen to tell him what happens, and Owen finally realizes it, and him and Brett both chase Austin off as Rocky wins by countout. Uh, again, usual raw fare. It was kind of slow, storyline story driven. The crowd was asleep. No real excitement at all. The production, the aura, there's no heat soaking in the building. Like everything just feels stale. Uh, they're not even really sweetening anything either. Like they're not even trying to make it seem fun. Uh, Brett was fine here. I thought Owen was funny. Rocky looked good in flashes. Bulldog seems a little, little bit lost in this role as the face or heel. Yep. As Austin torches him. So I went two stars. You know, a bunch of stuff happened, but again, just kind of whatever. The crowd is killing this. And, and they deservedly so. Like, like it's fine. Like, they, I'm not, I'm not condemning them. I'm not saying they're sleeping. They're in great matches, but it, it hurts to have the crowds are dead. Yeah, crowd wasn't great. I, I went two and a half. I thought this had some moments. Um, Bulldog's been interesting. I, I still would love. I don't know if it's ever, like you know we talked about it. We've got bits and pieces on where they were headed for 13, but I, I would love a deep dive on what was the long-term plan. Like was Brett going to win versus Sean at WrestleMania 13 with hell bulldog? Cause that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Like you could have had that and then you could have kind of drifted off where like from there now Brett faces Austin and Owen and, they gotta go there anyway. Going there too, um, I, I mean, they teased a lot. Like I really like that. Like when Owen comes out, like Brett says, like things are starting to be better. You know, and even at the end, he doesn't day. attack. Brett doesn't attack him. He's just no. like, turn he around, turn around. Tells like, him what it is, yeah, and they yeah. both chase <laughs> off. It's yeah. like they both have come together. Uh, versus Austin. Yeah, it's it's something I didn't remember. I, I thought them reconciling happened much more suddenly. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like they're all, I, I think Austin fucking with them all is going to be the catalyst to bring them back together a bit, or at least make right. them have common enemy. So when Brett does say, let's, what are we doing? Like, you know, let's, let's get back together. Like it's not completely out of nowhere. Right. Um, Brett does say he thinks Rocky has more potential than anybody's ever seen in the WWF, which I thought was a good line. Wasn't wrong. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty good evaluator. Um, uh, yeah, Bulldog, Bulldog's, I think, one of the interesting ones, though, here. Like, he's somebody throughout the course of this podcast had a lot of ups and, ups and downs. And he's in this feud, kind of quasi-feud with Austin, but Austin's also messing with Brett. It's like, where are things going to land? Um, so, and he's in the tag with Owen. Like, he, he feels a little fragmented where like he yeah, does I, different I don't things. think at this point they thought Bulldog and Owen were gonna we're gonna turn I mean unless are you saying that they were gonna turn face and help beat Sean or you thought that was gonna kick off a heel turn because and it really off a heel it, turn still. Yeah because it really feels like they're prepping Bulldog to be a face still. Like I don't I know if they're there so, yet. but I think I it uh, it just feels like like 
at going into this show, they still want to present, like, with the way Sean did his promo, they think Sean's going to get, like, a hero reaction. Right. Now, maybe they thought it would be more like Shades of Grey in other areas, and they were going that route. But they definitely think, like, Sean's going to be a big baby face coming out of Royal Rumble. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I need to revisit to- Brett's book. Like, there are guys out there that watch the show I know that know the book pretty well. Like, I think Pratt yeah. and Marcus and stuff. So, like, I'm curious if anyone watching can remind us in the comments, like, because I think Brett talks in the book about when they decided to do the heel thing. Like, it's time. Um, because the night after the rubble, it kicks off a little bit, right? That's It kind of starts that. So, yeah. I don't know if they had already planned the double turn by then. So, maybe it's over this next week that they start to change their mind a little bit on stuff. Um because it feels like they're headed that way by the night after the Rumble. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I still, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to know because I could see it like they think it'll be face Sean versus Hill Brett. Yeah, and that's the way they position stuff going forward. And then what? Bulldog is a face versus Hill Austin. That's think, they do the I double think, turn there. Maybe or they, yeah. I that was it's, planned. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, if anyone remembers from Brett's book, I don't remember too if they talk about this on Titan Sinking. I don't know, I'd have to go back and read it. So all that stuff like kind of surrounding this match is actually yeah. more interesting than the match. Yeah, the match is whatever. But yeah. All right, the nation joins from backstage. Rook says oh. they're gonna work to oh good, yes. Clarence Mason <laughs> should apply for like one hundred yard dash at the Olympics. Like he's at ringside, and ten seconds later, he's back. He's back here for like not huffing <laughs> and puffing or nothing. I was like, how how fast can he get back there? <laughs> uh, Farouk says they're going to work together at the Rumble. They're all about unity and Crush issues a warning for our main event tonight, and that is Crush <laughs> taking on the Undertaker. The match from your nightmares. Taker saunters out as Vince reminds us that Taker battles Vader on Sunday, and they'll also both be in the Rumble match as well. <laughs> Sean is still partying at Park Place. We come back. Honky can't pick the match. He says everyone's on his list. Nation Domination come out, and Taker meets him in the aisle and cleans them all out, throws Crush into the steps. Back inside, Taker's the DDT, drops a leg. We get more Rumble hard sell. Taker's pouring it on. He gets caught up top and crushed by Farouk. Taker recovers. He dumps Crush outside as Vince hypes the Farouk Ahmed Johnson match. We've been waiting on that one for a while. It's August. Finally going to get it at the Rumble. Crush snaps Taker across the top rope as Honky says Clarence Mason just got back from Oakland to show respect and support for Abonics in the school system. Crush eats a boot on a charge and Taker knocks him down. Crush rumbles back, kicks Taker down and works the throat. Crush hot shots Taker on the railings and runs him into the steps. Vader comes out to watch. We get the Starburst rewind, which is Austin attacking Bulldog from earlier. After the break, Ch- uh, Crush is choking away as Vince hypes shotgun. So now he says... Before they kept saying it was at Park Place. Now he says it's at Denim and Diamonds, which is, I don't know if that's in Park Place or a different spot. So it's like they changed where it's going to be over the course of the episode, which is weird. Hmm. Maybe they had said the Park Place stuff. Or maybe Denim, I don't don't know where it ends up being. Whatever it is, like maybe one was pre-taped and the other they cut in. Um, That's actually a pretty infamous shotgun, too. Maybe we'll talk about it next week, I guess. But that's more Terry Funk and Austin fighting. Right, right. Um, Crush works a chin lock. He gets a backbreaker, misses a fist off the middle rope. Taker heats up into some strikes and a flying clothesline. Crush gets a belly to belly, loads up the heart punch. Taker blocks. It's a very weak choke slam, and the nation come in for the DQ. Vader comes in as well. They all beat down Taker until Ahmed Johnson comes out, and that's after two Vader bombs. Ahmed makes a save, gets swarmed and beaten down. Fruit hits him with a kidney with a two by four. Whatever. I mean, it had some energy. Taker's trying to pace up. Crush is crushed, though. 
uh, this environment, you're not going to get much. Vince really, really worked hard to push the rumble at the end. Uh, but things just need energy. They need a fresh look if they want to have any chance in this war. Like, this is not going to do it. And I think they're starting to know it. Like, because we do start to get some different shit coming up. And I think they realize now, like, we got to shake things up. This is not working. Uh, Taker's got a big night on Sunday. No shock here. Just a pre-rumble brawl. Two stars. Uh, I went one. I thought this was dreadful. Uh, a lot of choke fighting. Uh, when Taker hits the choke slam, one of Christian's legs doesn't even get up off the mat. So, you know, great effort from him. In the middle of the match, they talk about like Vince on commentary says, like, or Crush is like, shut up with that jailbird shit. Vince is like, he's not going to stand for everybody chanting jailbird. I, I mean, I don't think there was one person chanting jailbird. Like, I heard nothing. Like, this crowd was. And put, you know, I think they were in the tomb with the Undertaker. Like it was, it was bad. Um, ending was fine, uh, but uh, as a match, I thought it was dreadful. So one star. All right, so that does it. We are, we are at the 1997 Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so what's your hype level, real quick? It's, it's an interesting show. Like, there's stuff going on, but it feels like I'm not like super excited about anything. I would say super low for the undercard, um, but I think I'm high for the Rumble because okay. they they actually have a sneaky amount of talent in there. Like, yeah. when you look at the roster, it's pretty deep at the top like there's guys and they're all in it except for sid and sean so you got vader you got taker you got brett you got austin you got bulldog you got owen you got Goldust, who's hot you got you know whatever marilyn helmsley or whatever but there's still talent like you got you got ahmed you got farouk like like there's a lot of guys in there plus whoever the lucha guys they bring in before going in you think okay maybe that'll add some something to it Mm -hmm. um so like they have guys in there so i think the rumble has a lot of unpredictability you're assuming brett's gonna win i think going in um, so we'll see, but I would say the Rumble match have done a good job, and just the idea of the Rumble with this much talent seems exciting. I would say the undercard has not been built great. Yeah, it feels like even to this point in Royal Rumble's history, it still feels like they're presenting a lot just based on the caveat that it's the Rumble match itself. Right. Like I, I, I remember the 98 hype being pretty good. And then obviously like 99, mm-hmm. like has, so, so I, th- I think in my head and we'll see if this plays out going forward, but I feel like this is kind of the last rumble where it's just like, all right, like we're kind of right. Step walking in. Um, and then we'll I'll see. say that this, I would say this has been maybe since King of the ring, their best built show. I mean, sorry, series is built fine, but that was really on the back of two matches. Like, I feel like this is the best the promotion has kind of felt, even though we're bitching with the staleness. That's more the presentation. Uh, but I mean, as far as like talent and potential, I don't think it's felt this high in a while. As far as like maybe, I mean, I definitely was more pumped for Survivor Series. I think, even yeah. though I had some issues with stuff, I yeah. it, it's probably just based off of Austin. Right, Austin Brett. Hart, and then the main, I mean, Sid versus. And Taker Scott. Mankind. But we, yeah. were, we were kind of done on that. Taker Mankind, I was done. So that's actually negative on that end. But I don't know. We'll it, it just feels like this is the most, like, okay, like, there's this at least something potentially I mean, there. If they can get the presentation. Be good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's excitement like for it's that. It's been built. 
there's at least there's at least something going on i guess you know for the first time in a while like you look at some of those shows throughout 96 a lot of it where it's just like okay maybe this will be good you know besides the main event so right you were hoping for sean to deliver for most of 96 like that that's what a lot of the pay-per-views are built on that and take our mankind yeah all right match of the night uh, uh, grossly enough is gold us to versus waller and helmsley yeah, I did uh, my Via versus Bulldog. Moment, I I, I went with Nation Invader attacking Taker after the match. I, I mean, there wasn't much else. Hey, I, do you have our spreadsheet pulled up? Yeah, I can't yeah. Even what did I do Sid promo or did I do the... Uh... You have a uh, Sid promo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was, if that tells you, not a lot of super highlights mvpa went vader i thought he looked pretty good wow. beating the shit out of taker at the end like he drops the two vader bombs on him and look look strong going into their match yeah i think i just went bret hart um i don't know what, what it was. uh no debuts no shots fired no dropped angles uh i went four out of ten i mean this is not a good raw mm-hmm. it, it, you know i I want to say it has been that long, but December twenty third at three, three and a half. So, yeah. so it's uh, we're still in shaky grounds. Like I'd like to say this is the worst one, and this is it from here. But I know there's a couple of infamously bad ones that you know change everything, right? So we'll see yeah. how those hold up. Like we, but we got different stuff coming. We got the night after, which is pretty exciting. We got the Skydome Raw, which is interesting. We got the Germany Raw, which is interesting. Like so, we got some different stuff coming. At least the Manhattan Center um and everything thursday or thursday so like there's at least shit that's gonna happen yeah i mean i went four and a half like this is one of these like inoffensive roles mm. but i think it's also one that was carried by it was only an hour too right. so i was like all right like i'm done with it so what it was. all right so uh best show obviously is nitro yeah. guerrero malenko best match best moment ddp tax nwo I mean, Nitro, obviously, better commentary. Star of the night. I mean, we were kind of all over the place on this. I'd go Giant, I think. Okay. Uh, ratings winner, obviously, Nitro. What was that? Yeah, the ratings were a little interesting. Um, I mean, Raw's up. It's only 0.2, but they're from 2.1 to 2.3. Mm-hmm. Nitro, Nitro went from a 3 to a 3.4. So they uh, won by 1.1. Uh, the previous week they won by point nine, so you know, I mean, they both were up with a gap. Yeah, I mean, both, the... both were up, so it's it's. I don't know if that would have been necessarily celebrated as a well, good uh, nitro rating or not. <clears throat> Was the week before the Sugar Bowl? Did that hurt that? Yeah, let me see. I think it the Sugar Bowl actually would have been January first. Oh yeah, right. They didn't do the Monday yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, and NFL was done. It was in the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't know. Just whatever. Hi, hi, maybe just the combo of the go-home rumble plus Nitro being yeah. pretty good the week before. Sugar Bowl was January 2nd. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, all right. So, that's it for that. So, we got some big episodes coming, Chad. So, in two weeks, we'll be back with Royal Rumble 1997. Uh, in a month from now, we're going to hit the, the big Nitro and Raw. That'll be a fun one because if the Raw, then after the Rumble's good. Yeah. Um, and then the big Nitro from Chicago. Could be a very competitive episode as yeah. far as which show we like better. I haven't watched either, but seems yeah, like some, it could be. Some big stuff happens on that Nitro as well. And then we get the Clash and it's sold out. So our next four really lined up nicely to be big episodes. 
um, be fun to dig into for sure. Check out everything here at the North South Connection. Follow us across all social media as well as uh, to subscribe here on YouTube. Listen on a podcast app. Until then, smell the napalm.